Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real-life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. My guest today is Mr. Marshall Sykes, joining us from North Carolina. He is the founder and, and president of uh, Capitano Real Estate Investment Group, and they focus on multifamily in a couple of different markets, Texas, Florida, and, and North Carolina. So we talk about his background, military background, how we got to do investing, going from single family up to multifamily, which is a pretty common trajectory that we see, and uh, talk about how he's built the business and, and his plans ahead. So I think you're going to enjoy that conversation. A couple of quick notes. If you are not currently on the DJE investor list, seeing our projects that we put out and you want to be, you can go to djetexas.com. The link is right below in the show notes and click through to uh, schedule a call with our team, get to know us, get set up for notifications, all that fun stuff. Secondly, if you are interested in going out, creating your own business to go out and buy and run apartment complexes, apartment complexes as a business, we created apartmenteducators.com as a complete ecosystem to do that. So you've got training, you've got network vendors, everything you need to plug into to go do these big projects. That's at apartmenteducators.com. We've got a free eight-part video series for you there. Without further ado, let's jump into the show with Mr. Marshall Sykes. Here we go. Marshall, welcome to the show. How are you? Nice to have you. Hey, Devin. Nice to be here. Really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, excited to dive in and, and talk shop like we do here on the podcast. Uh, before we get into that, how about a little background on you? What, um, you know, like to learn professionally what you've done. And I always am very curious about what led people into multifamily real estate investing, what that catalyst was. So love to kind of dig in on, on some of that background. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm the president of Capitano Investing Group. And I have uh, been, I kind of grew up in real estate, really, from my background. I grew up in real estate. My dad had retired from the Army. He decided he didn't want to work for anyone else, really. Kind of wanted to work for himself at that point. Um, and so he ended up learning the building trade. Uh, and he would build two houses at a time. He did single family homes. He'd build two houses at a time for the most part. Um, him and my mom both would work on the on the job sites. And mm -hmm. I, they would sell one and they keep one as a rental. So I kind of learned that model growing up. I would help them out during the summers uh, on the job site and thought I'd never do that, uh, being, being real estate or any kind of construction sure. business. But that was really God's plan for me in, in my life, it seems. I uh, went off to engineering school uh, and then I joined the Navy as a civil engineer corps officer. So I did construction management in the Navy. I did, it was what well, we did the planning, design, and construction of all the uh, bases on uh, on the buildings on bases. Sure. And one of those opportunities that I had was in um, Southern California. I was uh, 15, 20 years into my military career at that point. I uh, was building new barracks, basically, for Camp Pendleton, which is the largest Marine Corps base uh, <clears throat> on the on the on the West Coast, at least. Sure. And we were building 10,000 units of, of, of barracks, which is basically uh, multifamily. Multifamily. How, yeah. how, so how, we were, how dense was that? Like 10,000 units. Were, how many units to a building on something like that? Are you going we, up? 
We went out. We would about go up about four stories normally. Okay. We didn't try it. We tried not to do more than that. Once in a while, they might go to six. But normally around 200 units, so maybe 400 Marines yeah. uh, and, and sailors in, the, in each one of those. And so we focused on making it, <clears throat> improving it from the old school type of barracks to a new barracks where the, the, the residents would enjoy living there and call it home. They didn't, so they wanted to stay there. They wanted to enjoy the joy time with their, fam- their friends there. Um, and so we focused on improving the amenities, kind of like what you do on a multifamily development. Right. So we would have nice recreational facilities. Most of these, most of these guys are 18 and 25 or so uh, that were living in there. And we had nice uh, indoor spaces for them as well as outdoor spaces, um, improved laundry rooms, improved um, gaming, gaming areas. Sometimes we had the gaming set up where four or five of them can go in there and game together that type of thing. So I, I saw that model and I thought, hey, why can't I do that? And and then that point in time, there was a lot of multifamily being built in Southern California. And I thought, why don't I go into multifamily after I get out of the military? And it, I just thought, mm, you really can't own multifamily like you can single families, which I had owned. I had already gotten like 10 or so single family homes at that point. And so I kind of put that in the back of my mind. And fast forward about 10 years later, I started hearing about these syndications. And I didn't know anything about syndications at the time. I know you could buy a multifamily building by partnering with others and getting investors, uh, individual investors for a syndication. So I learned about that. And then I started getting into multifamily. How did you go about doing those 10 houses? Was that uh, stuff you were building? Were you getting short-term loans and refinancing? I mean, that seems to be, for whatever reason, a lot of people's goal when they first get into real estate is, man, if I could just get 10 single-family rentals, I'd be set, right? For whatever reason. I, I used to have that goal. I've talked to a million people. Seems to be the magic number for some reason. But that's a lot of houses to finance and manage. How did you go about doing that? Yeah, it is. And so... I had a little bit of, uh, I, you know, no matter what you do in real estate, it's a, it's, it's a, you're taking a leap of faith in some ways. You're taking, yeah. hey, can I do this? Can I really do this? You know, you, in some ways, even buying your first house is kind of like that. Sure. So I, um, my wife and I had, she did, she was a chemist and we moved around so much in the military that it was just hard to find a new job every couple of years. So we focused on her. She she focused on on the rental side on the buying the real estate and doing all the loan applications and all that stuff and managing that uh, as an asset manager not as a property manager but because sure. most of our houses were in North Carolina and um, what I did was I I guess in my mind why I wanted to ten was I thought well I'll have my military retirement but I want to supplement that I want a little bit more than more than just the retirement can give. Because sure. you can live off of it, but you can't live well off of a military sure. retirement. And so I wanted to just have more passive income, basically more sources of income. And that's kind of my mantra. And I, um, so we would build one or two at a time. My my brother was actually a builder at that point. So we, we hired him to build houses for us. We built brand new is what we ended up doing because we had that, that, um, 
that opportunity with my brother to partner with him and and he I helped him he helped me that type of thing and it so it 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 worked out well for us but we ended up with 10 houses but back to your point you know is that the right number I it's hard to manage a lot of them I had a property manager so paying that person as well you start looking at what's your return on investment well your return on investment's not as high as what maybe multifamily can give you or other type of uh investments can give you so I started thinking through that and I started switching my mindset to go to multifamily right yeah that makes sense I mean that you run into some inherent limitations on the single family stuff whether it's patience or you know time in the day or you're dealing with 10 utility bills 10 tax bills whatever the case is um so very very common to you know kind of enter in the single family space and and progress to multifamily at some point. What was your on-ramp to multifamily like? Was it attending a conference, reading a book, partnering with somebody? How, how you know, folks don't usually just jump right into buying a hundred doors or, or whatever the case is. Yeah. So, so I was living in the Middle East and I started looking at my, my single family portfolio at right. the time. And I thought mm, the return on investment is not as good as I want it to be. What can I do differently? And I kind of just put that in the back of my mind again. And when I came back to Houston, when I was living in Houston, I, my friends at work started talking about syndications. And I thought, oh, I, I've heard those a little bit on through LinkedIn or through a, a YouTube. So I started investigating that pretty heavily. I started to, We started meeting together once a month for lunch and having a little mastermind discussion about investing, passively investing in multifamily. And um, so I got interested in that. I, I invested in three different deals and I wanted to test the waters a little bit. I wanted to go with three different partners or three different sponsors and three different markets. Nice. So uh, so I did I did one in Dallas, one in Austin and one in Raleigh. I knew that those three were pretty high, high markets. Sure. And I went with uh, three, three different sponsors. I wanted to see what the difference was between the sponsors and maybe what the difference was in the markets, how they yeah. responded to different things. That's a good strategy. Um, how did you go about finding and selecting these sponsors? I, I really like that strategy. Well, I ended up, uh, a, a guy had reached out to me on LinkedIn and, and uh, asked me to consider pass. Or he, he want, I guess he was looking for people who had some real estate background. I had that on my LinkedIn. Right. And so... He was like, "Hey, do you ever ever consider that?" So what? So I started having that conversation with him. I didn't invest right away, but I explored it at that point, and I, I had already read some books on it. I looked at a lot of YouTube videos on it. There's a lot of information out there that you can glean and kind of study. And so right. I did all that, and then I was just ready to invest. So I did reach out to this individual and um, invest through him. Got it. Got it. So that got you started there. And what was your, um, you know, what was your approach? Did you get in those deals around the same time? Did it take a while to get in those three deals as an, as an LP or limited partner? How did that work? Yeah, I think I got within, I would say over a six month period. I mean, every couple of months I would invest in one of those. Right. So something and like that. What were, what was your experience? Uh, you know, was, was one sponsor drastically different than the other? Were the markets drastically different? Um, you know, as kind of a fresh or newer limited partner investor, 
That's great contrast. Have three deals simultaneously. I mean, we always talk about that being kind of the first step in multifamily is if you can do it, um, you know, just get LP on a deal and, and ride along and maybe ask some questions along the way. Um, how, how was your experience? You know, you got, you got three, three jockeys and three horses that you kind of <laughs> bet on what, uh, how'd they do? Yeah. So it's, it was interesting. And, and the sponsors were similar. I think they all kind of had worked, been in a mastermind together. I, I didn't realize that at that time, but um, they kind of maybe operated a little bit the same. The their their marketing materials or their feedback on how the property was doing was um, it was similar. I would say it wasn't as in depth as I like would have liked it as a project manager. I'd sure. like to know more of the details, I guess, on what's sure. happening or how you're doing against the business model. Yes. Uh, your business plan. Uh, it was it was somewhat that way, but not quite as uh, as, as specific as I like it um, on any of them. But one of them actually had a different take. It wasn't it was more or less about cash flow. It was more about appreciation. And I guess I kind of knew that going in and that one closed right in March of 2020, which was right when COVID happened. So oh, yeah. we weren't sure what was going to happen on that. That's right. But that was the one that was in Austin. I was very, it was very, um, then, then everybody started, all the companies started moving to Austin, if you remember. Oh yeah. So the real estate prices did go up a lot in Austin. I think so. That was a good one for appreciation. It, we still have that one right now. Um, that one has not uh, sold. The other two did sell. So one of them, uh, you know, basically we got a return on investment, I think a 45% return on investment each year. So it was way more than they had forecast and yeah. projected, which was amazing. Right. And that just really gets you uh, really excited about multifamily investing. Oh, yeah. and how, how individuals can invest in that. Not just, you don't have to be behind you know, you, when you invest in the mark, uh, the stock market, you don't always understand what you're investing in. But you think you do, but maybe not always. Yeah. In multifamily, you can see, a, you get a little more detail. You get a little more touch points with the people who are actually buying the properties. That's a really um, good point. And I think that, that bears underscoring, you know, a stock market investment as a retail investor, you're the absolute bottom feeder, last person to maybe get paid. And there's a lot of uh, layer, you know, dozens of layers in uh, above you in front of you of people that are getting paid in the multifamily arena. Most of the way operators set it up is, is a direct LLC ownership. So you've got, you're buying a piece of the entity that owns that property and you effectively own whatever percentage pro rata of that property with zero middleman REIT in the way. Now the sponsor gets some fees, right? They're compensated for doing all the work, finding the deal, running it. But um for the most part, you're your direct owner, and that's when the whole world of tax benefits own, opens up. That's when the whole world of directly participating in upside kind of opens up. And most folks, really, most retail investors have never even had that experience. Yeah, I mean, there's this. It, it is. It gives you more hands on. I think as an LP in those first three deals, that it helped me learn a lot of the lingo, a lot of how the process works. Sure. Um, how market conditions can affect the property, oh, yeah. that type of thing. So it it get you know I, it opened my eyes to some some of the aspects of multifamily. 
but it, so it, I grew and I learned and I tried to, I didn't want to just put the investment in there and, and forget about it. I wanted to learn and even go see the properties if I could. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity as a, somebody that wants to kind of go through those steps, which we always talk about is step one, being an LP, step two, maybe a co-GP and step three, go run your own deal if you want. And it seems to be like a lot of folks take that trajectory. Were there some things out of being a limited partner in those three deals that you um, have taken into your own business, whether they were, hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. Or, hey, I really don't like this. I'm never going to do this in my business. Were there some kind of takeaways from that experience for you? I think um, maybe just more access to investors. I, I like to be more accessible to investors. I think sure. some of them were and some of them weren't in the, in that group. Um, some were very, they will answer your question, they'll meet you on the site or offer to do that. Uh, other ones were more, you know, you invested, but we, we got to run the show here, you know, or yeah. they don't want to give you the information. You know, it's, it's, so it looks it's a few different ways to look at that. It's interesting because, you know, you can be a solo entrepreneur and go out and buy a deal and put the capital together and everything. And then you're the asset manager, you're the CFO, you're the investor relations, you're construction management, and that can work, you know, for certain size deals or whatever. Um, but at some point, you know, growing a, a ton of assets, you, you got to either hire for those roles or bring on partners for them. And I think seems like it's it's pretty common for sponsors to kind of run into bottlenecks. So it depends where you catch a sponsor. You know, if they're they're brand new and it's their first deal, you probably text them at midnight on Saturday and, and get a response on your 50K investment. If they're a bunch of deals in and they haven't really staffed up, they really might have their head underwater on operations. Um, but, you know, so understanding those pieces are, 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 are important. And eventually a firm gets big enough to have investor relations where they can be more responsive. But there's that growth path there is, um, is not smooth and even for a sponsor. You know, they've got to figure out how to, do all the things, take care of investors, take care of the property, you know, property management, construction management, all those things. Yeah, it's very true. I've seen some grow from three people to up to 30 plus people. And so it is a growth. Uh, there's a growth piece to it. So the investor relations is just one of those pieces. So when it does, it is good to have an investor relations person that can talk directly to investors if that's, you know, if that's your model, at least. Yeah. So what are you guys doing today? You know, markets, uh, asset types you're targeting, you know, what's an ideal project if it hit your desk today that you'd be like, hey, that's really kind of our sweet spot for the company. How do you guys, how do you guys look at all that today? Yes, so I probably didn't explain the company very well, but what we do is we partner with others. I mostly do, um, most of my effort so far has been capital raising, but sure. also do some asset management with the properties as well as um, as well as due diligence and helping the sponsors out as if, if I can in different ways. But um, I would say so we we've been in 15 different deals so far as a partner in the in that aspect in those roles. And I have not been the lead GP yet, but just a co-GP. Sure. Um but what what I with today's rising interest rates, what I'd like to focus on is the the more what I call the more primary markets, the more well maybe the markets that are having a large population growth or large job growth or and rent growth. 
those are the big three that I like to look at. And so I'm focusing more on the larger cities at this point, or especially if they're in Florida, Texas, or Arizona, but um, or North Carolina. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 15 deals, a um, lot of similarities between those. Have they been real different in terms of the size and the, you know, maybe the age and, and the business plan? Or, or, you know, is it all kind of down the fairway in terms of, you know, same type of deals? Well, getting back to the strategy piece. I, so I, I studied strategy a little bit in the Navy and a lot at, in my oil and gas career. And mm-hmm. so we're looking way out. Uh, but so I've really, I've tried to bring some of that strategic thought to my business as well. And and so what I would like, what I like is to be involved a little bit in class A, a little yep. bit in class B and a little bit in class C. So I want to have kind of a variety of classes of, mm-hmm. of multifamily classes. So some are, some are 40 plus years old. And I think those are harder. They're harder. You got to be ready as a sponsor to go in and and do the hard work with those because they're going to have more maintenance issues than you think. They're going to have more um, tenant issues probably than you think. And so, but you can also have. There's a lot of more upside to them as well on the on the on the return on investment. Sure. But I like. Um, so I've tried to have a variety of those, and I've seen where the I've seen class B and class C and class A perform pretty well for the most part in those during the last couple of years. Class C can perform well, but you got to do the hard work. Right. Yeah, that's that 70s vintage stuff with a tougher tennis tenant base is presents a lot of issues. Um operationally, capex you know, possibly crime issues, you know, and, and, and not to say it can't be done, but I always tell folks like there's just cause it's a beat up property. doesn't mean it's a good deal. Right. It can yeah. be. Uh, but to your point, you've got to, you've got to go in and be ready to roll up your sleeves, have a little extra CapEx reserves, maybe be willing to take occupancy a little bit lower. Um, but they can absolutely work. Absolutely work. Well, mm-hmm. we're talking, you know, and we're talking Q4 of 2022 right now. Are you guys seeing acquisition activity slow down a whole lot with the debt markets where they are? Are you still getting a, a look at some deals? How How's deal flow been for you guys? I think for the, in, within the group I'm in, um, the deal flow has slowed down a little bit. There are still some deals that we're working right now. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I have seen less new ones come on. Yeah, uh, with with different people. Um, but we're still working on a couple now. That so there's always seems to be deal flow within our group. Uh, I think it it did peak earlier this year in 2022, but it's it so it's starting to slow down a little bit in my mind. I, yeah. I do see a lot of of I, the brokers still send a lot of information to us and say, hey, this is up for sale and all that, but. I have seen less and less in our on the deal flow. Yeah, it seems like sellers right now, if they don't have to sell, they'll probably just kind of wait and see what happens with with um, the Fed and the election midterms, all that stuff. Um, sellers that need to sell Q4, Q1, Q2 next year, that's going to be interesting, right? If you got a loan maturity and you, you've got to get out. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of owners may just be forced to. So time will tell on that, you know, it's been a pretty aggressive hiking cycle and 
we'll see what the terminal rate looks like and never a dull moment as always. Right. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. You know, so the first part of my few years in the multifamily now, I, I've not focused as much on the lending side because I haven't, I haven't been intimately involved in it. Sure. But now I've really learned a lot about that because the lending is the, the linchpin right now. You, it is. You've got to be on your toes with the lending piece and understanding what could happen two to three years now down the road. Yeah, it's it sure has changed. We were just looking at a deal this morning with our team, and it was an assumption of a of an existing loan at four percent, which, you know, earlier in the year, like four percent, get out of here. You know, now four percent looks like gold, right? You know, you're getting rates, rate quotes at six and a half, pushing seven percent. So interesting how that's changed, but there's always a way to kind of put the capital stack together. And um, you know, it's never been simple or easy. These are big, complex transactions, but it'd be real interesting to see what happens in the next year and how people are putting together uh, capital on these deals. There's still a ton of capital, you know, hungry to to get into these types of deals for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we, we have seen the capital raises a little bit harder now, sure. but you have to do a lot more uh, reaching out than maybe before, Right. but there is, there are deals still being uh, made. You're right. There's still capital out there. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. Definitely is. Well, what do you guys have in in mind, you know, kind of for the year ahead for the company? Is it is it more the same and just continue to partner with good folks, do good deals? Are you um, you know, looking at different markets or or what's the you know, what's the outlook there for for your firm? Yeah, it'd be it'll be similar to what we've done in 2022. I think I'll do a, probably less uh maybe less deals focus on maybe the fewer, but, uh, and kind of expand my role a little bit. The, the, now that I'm living in North Carolina, I do want to look at the North Carolina markets and start breaking into those as well. You know, yeah. start, start doing the broker relations here and talking to lenders and, and, and seeing if, and testing the market, whether, Hey, does it, does a smaller multifamily work for me if I don't do a syndication or not, sure. or, or, you know, do I want a JV on those? So I'm looking at those type of things. Yeah, that makes sense. Lots of lots of ways to put the deal together. That's for sure. Um, well, Marshall, thanks for sitting down and and sharing the story. I appreciate the the peek inside your business. If somebody listening wants to connect with you, learn about what you guys are doing, how can they do that? Yeah, they can always reach out to me on LinkedIn, but also on uh, go to my website of Capitano Investing Group. That's CapitanoInvestingGroup.com. We'll link to that, uh, to the website in the show notes. If you're listening, you can just scroll down to the description, click straight through there and connect with Marshall. So uh, thank you so much for for jumping on. I appreciate it. Wish you guys uh, success here in this next year. Devin, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. All right, Marshall. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.